I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome. In today's RHS Gardening Podcast, we explore how changing climatic conditions are influencing the diseases that attack our plants. And we introduce a new arrival at RHS Garden Wisley, the first for a hundred years. Real spring is just round the corner with the start of April. March still throws back to winter and can be cold and wet, but we're just looking for April showers now, warm weather, warm nights, get the plants growing and the opportunity to start planting and sowing in earnest as the gardening season kicks off. I'm Guy Barter, Chief Horticulturist here at the RHS. First, a look at an award-winning garden in East Yorkshire. Her Majesty's Prison Hull was awarded the Windlesham Trophy for the best prison garden in 2018 with, as the judges said, their outstanding performance. The trophy is a polished brass bell from a former Green Goddess fire engine and the award was introduced in 1984 by Lord Windlesham, head of the parole board, as a way of recognising the positive impact of gardening on prisoners. Tended by a team of over 20, the gardens are used for rehabilitation and training, growing food and a range of other activities for communities both inside the prison and out. It is a prime example of the power of gardening to change lives. We spoke to the people behind the project to find out more. My name's Dave Wilson. I'm one of the two horticulture instructors here at HMP Hall. I've worked here for just over 12 years and between us we have a group of 24 prisoners we tend to all the grounds and gardens inside the jail before I even started on here when the newer side of the jail was created there was nothing really there there was large grassed areas and that was it now those specific areas turned those from empty grassed areas into what we call like mini plots, like replicable to what you'd farm on like farmland. So like we've got quite large open areas where now we grow various crops dependent on rotation. You wouldn't think you're in a prison. It's so vibrant all year round. And the RHS judges absolutely love it every time they come. It's amazing what you can do with a bit of creativity and a bit of enthusiasm, you know. Some of the designs we've got, they've cost next to nothing, you know, recycled timber to make bug hotels in the smallest pockets of spaces that you can get them with. 
if you've got that enthusiasm and that creativity, you can really brighten an area up. When I first started, most of it was just grassed areas. We just had one or two areas with flower beds and that was it. My name is Steve Whitehead and I'm one of two garden instructors here. When the new area was built and it was all green, it was time to get the garden forks out and the spades and dig it all up and start making allotments. We have such a wide range of ages and demographics and backgrounds on this party. The youngest at the moment we have is 19, the oldest is 74. People do set pieces on hanging baskets because that's what they're really good at, they specialise in hanging baskets. Or we have people who specialise at edging and trimming or shaping bushes and stuff like that. We work with a unit that specialises in long-term prisoners on life sentences and basically doing a hell of a lot of time. And some of these guys have serious, genuine mental health issues, some prolific self-harmers. And we take a percentage of our prisoners on our group from this unit to sort of like guide them through and the sort of therapeutical side of going outside, giving them that bit of responsibility, showing them the benefits and the beauty of nature and wildlife. And these guys, the changes that you see. My name's Steve. I'm one of two peer mentors that work with the gardens party. In a way, I'm sort of a morale booster. <laughs> when I first came here, one of my friends was on the gardens. He said it was a great job, so I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a go and see what it's like. I haven't done any gardening seriously since I was sort of a small child with my granddad. It seemed when I first joined that it wasn't your ordinary, everyday sort of prison job. We were given a fair bit more trust and we were out all day. When I'm on the gardens, I don't feel like I'm in prison. I'm just a member of a group of people doing a job that we love. To be recognised for doing something that I love, it gives me a sense of purpose every morning. You know, I get up, I think, okay, this is going to be another good day. I'm going to be out, I'm going to be doing things that I want to do. I know some people would say, well, you're in prison, you shouldn't be feeling like that. But I defy anybody to put a group of guys together doing a job they love and for them not to enjoy themselves. I've been diagnosed with a mild personality disorder and coming to work in the gardens, it gives me a chance to be calm and relaxed. I think if I hadn't been working on the gardens, I think I would probably have been in a lot more trouble over the years than I have been. It's my incentive for staying good. I know of several guys that work on the gardens that used to have issues with self-harm and they don't anymore numbers of times where they come to us as self-harmers and then they end up being thank us for the work that the trust that we give them and the work that they do outside because it just makes them feel better within themselves they've learned 
to be able to speak about it, to be able to deal with it, because we're a very tight-knit group. We will always support each other, because a lot of people, when they first come on, they're a bit worried, a bit scared, they're not sure what's going on, they're not sure where they fit in the whole scheme of things. But very soon, within sort of a few weeks, they're just a part of the crew. They're just one of us. And as such, they know that they can talk to us about pretty much anything, and we will support them. And that's important. If you haven't got support in your life, if you're an island, you're going to struggle. I spent years thinking that I was just a horrible person. Yeah, I did some horrible things. So it sort of made sense to feel like that. It took a long time, and it wasn't really until I got in the gardens, and I realised that I could do better with my life. I felt more pride in growing something, improving on something, than destroying stuff. Until you feel that pride, you don't really understand it. For me, another one of my favourite things is that we started helping the community. Last year, the guys decided to donate so much of our crops to the local food bank so within the summer months once a week we was taking a selection of fresh grown organic produce to the local food bank here in Hull peppers tomatoes cucumbers potatoes beetroots onions broccoli cauliflower you name it sending our produce things that we've grown to help other people I know it's a bit of a cliche in the respect that yeah, we're prisoners and we want to help other people because we feel bad for the things we've done. But it's true. If we can help other people in the community get through their daily lives, it gives us a sense of worth as well. For people that have broken the law and been put away for a long time, that's important. My father passed away when I was young. I've only got a few photos of myself and... Uh, there was a photo of me next to him in his greenhouse and like personally when we won the Windlesham Trophy last year it sort of filled me up with a lot of pride and then hopefully making him proud. I'm the edger. I edge grass. I edge lawns, that's what I do. The RHS judges said that my edges were comparable to National Trust lawn edges and that for me was amazing because you always question yourself, you always think you can do better and to be told by professional people that the job you're doing is a professional job makes me feel brilliant for us ordinary prisoners to be recognized by such a prestigious group for our work has really made a big difference to us I mean we've always taken pride in our work but now it's like yes we have been recognized for what we do for some of us that's the first time in our lives We've been recognised for something that we've achieved. The garden team at Her Majesty's Prison Hull, winners of the 2018 RHS Windlesham Trophy for Best Prison Garden. If that feature has whetted your appetite for getting out into the garden, there are lots of events and publicly accessible gardens that you can enjoy in the next few weeks. 
Everything from photography classes to guided walks and plant fairs. Simply follow the links from our page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. There you'll also find links to more information and photos from Her Majesty's Prison Hull and other topics discussed in today's programme. To help RHS scientists track changing patterns of problems affecting UK plants, each year our researchers analyse the number of pests and diseases reported to the advisory teams. In our last podcast, entomologist Andrew Salisbury looked at the most problematic plant pests. Today, plant pathologist Matthew Cromie talks diseases. One of the things that's always been number one since the thing started about 20-something years ago is honey fungus partly because it has a huge host range and also because it attacks trees and shrubs and when a tree or a shrub dies, a prized plant in the garden, people want to know why it died. It's not that easy to see why it died. So we get a lot of inquiries about it. It is an important disease and it's not that easy for gardeners to diagnose. The number two disease, as is usually the case, is Phytophthora root rots. That's similar in a sense to honey fungus in that if a tree dies or a shrub dies, then people are worried about it. What's the cause of that death? So between the two of them, we usually see those as our number one and number two diseases. But there's some slightly unusual things or some changes in our top ten 2018 compared with other years. Uh, One example, for instance, is pear rust. Pear rust, it's not a new problem for gardeners, but... Prior to about 16 years ago, it was very, very seldom recorded. We get one or two records a year coming into our advisory service. Now it's our number three disease for 2018. We're not totally sure why that is. No one's too certain, but probably changing weather conditions over the longer term in the last 16 years are the reason for that. This is a disease that you'll see alternating between pears and juniper. So the numbers of pears grown, the number of junipers grown, The relationship between the two can influence that, but it's certainly on the increase. And one of the issues with diseases of edible crops is there are no fungicides now for gardeners to use. The good news for gardeners with pear rust is that it doesn't cause much of a yield reduction. The infections you see, they're really very obvious to look at, but they're not going to affect the yield very much in most cases. Some of the diseases that we saw less of last year uh, were, for instance, box blight and also less of leaf spot and canker of prunus. They're still in the top 10, but they're well down on the previous year, and that's probably attributable to the warm, dry conditions we had over the summer. One of those, box blight, is a fungal disease, but it spreads by splash. It needs rain splash, it needs wet leaves. If you don't have wet leaves, you're not really going to see any infection. If you don't have rain splash, it's not going to spread very much, so obviously hot, dry weather wasn't favourable to the disease. Similarly, the leaf spot and canker of prunus That's a bacterial disease, and bacteria like water as well. They need water, they need wet conditions, they tend to get into wounds in wet conditions. So again, a hot, dry year, and we're not seeing as much of that disease. One of the diseases we did see on box in the last year, in 2018, was volutella blight of box. So there are two blight diseases on box. Box blight's the serious one, that can kill box plants. Volutella blight is more a sign of a plant under stress. So again, hot, dry conditions tend to mean that we're seeing a bit more of that disease, not because it's a disease on the upswing, but more because the plants are more under stress. Box plants do need some water, and if they're in stress conditions, then they'll succumb to some of those types of diseases. 
So what does this tell us about all the diseases and what you can do about them? Well, fortunately, the RHS website has a lot of advice profiles on all of these diseases and many other diseases. If they're an edible crop, you can't use fungicides anymore, but there are plenty of cultural ways of controlling those diseases. And generally, cultural controls are much better than chemicals, so work on those first. And generally, the right plant in the right place in the right conditions and the disease problems will be minimised. You can find links to more information from RHS Science Research and listen to the podcast Pests feature on our website page. Well, that's almost all for today. There's just time to meet one of Wisley's newest residents. Hello there, it's uh, Andy Salisbury here, a principal entomologist for the RHS at Wisley. And I'm going to talk about web spinners, a fantastic find here at Wisley Garden, brought to me one day by one of the garden staff who had found them on the roots of orchids in the uh, tropical glasshouse here. Web spinners are an insect order that haven't been found in the UK as an established colony before. Uh, insect order, it's a bit like saying beetle, fly, bee ant, wasp. And the web spinners join another 24 of these insect orders in, in the UK. Web spinners as an insect order is largely tropical. There are a few found in the warm temperate regions such as the Mediterranean. And they're called web spinners because they produce a web from their front legs, their tarsi, the front tips of their front legs. And they live underneath it where they feed on algal growths, fungal growths, rotting plant matter. And they're colonial. The females look after the young, and they live together in this uh, under the webbing. Fully grown females are about a centimetre long. They're sort of a deep brown colour, and they're elongate insects, sort of almost like an elongate earwig. The finding of web spinners at Wisley is an amazing discovery, but it doesn't really have much impact on plants or, or the flora of the UK. It's a tropical insect. It is going to be stuck in the glasshouses. An amazing, interesting find. But these things feed on decomposing plant material. They don't pose a threat to any plants or humans. And they're unlikely to get out of the glasshouse. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today on the RHS Gardening Podcast. The next few weeks are going to be really busy for us gardeners. They always are in April with lots of sowing and planting and mowing to do. But I'm going to take time out to head to Wales for the Cardiff Flower Show. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, from me, Guy Barter, and all the podcast team, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I've found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com.
Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 